I know uh, Tammy's accusing me of ending the game because I, I wasn't winning. <laughs> and now she's looking at the clock saying, okay, you got so much time. I do uh, want to ask Adeline to come forward it's, um, because she had won the uh, art award. Uh, I had the slide last week, but I don't have it this week. But she made, out of those wooden eggs, um, she used it to illustrate uh, the Trinity. And I thought that was really creative. Uh, uh, there you go. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, we had the art board uh, review it, and they really, they really thought it was awesome. And so that uh, that kid that I sent across the country uh, and put through four years of uh, <laughs> of college used his art degree this morning uh, or last last week to to judge the artwork and uh, so so it wasn't just me looking at it it was it was this artist uh, looking at it let's let's pray Lord we thank you for this day we thank you for your word Lord that it shows that this, this world isn't it. This isn't the end. And uh, we look forward to that, that one day, someday, being before you in all your glory. And, uh, and so, no matter what anyone's going through today, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to those, those hearts of those individuals that are really struggling and, and remind them that this isn't it. <laughs> and so we... Uh, we commit this time to you. May your word speak to us. Holy Spirit, let your presence be known. In Jesus' name, amen. If you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, we're just going to look at a few verses this morning, uh, 18 through 21, Romans chapter 8. It's a short portion of Scripture, but rather powerful in its application. Starting with verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be, will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. I had the unique privilege of having breakfast with a man who landed on the moon, <laughs> uh, Jim Irwin. He was on the Apollo 15 mission back in July of 1971. And he was speaking at a men's breakfast uh, at a restaurant in Gibsonia in 1990. And I had been invited there to, um, to interview with um, a men's ministry there called the Gathering of Men. It was founded by the late Jim Leckie. But Leckie forgot that he invited me. <laughs> and he forgot that he was supposed to interview me on that day. And out of embarrassment, I think, he decided to give me this prominent spot to be able to sit next to uh, uh, Jim Irwin. 
and uh, the speaker for that morning. And, uh, and it did make up for it. I was, you know, <laughs> I loved anything about space. And, uh, you know, as a, as a young boy dreamt about being an astronaut and at least meeting one, this, is, this was awesome. And uh, it was a, a great privilege for me. And so uh, here I was sitting next to, to uh, James Irwin, uh, Colonel Irwin. And, and, um, and so I, I couldn't muster up the, you know, the nerve to, to ask him anything right away. But he turned to me and said, yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself. I was like, I know that anything that I share, uh, you know, or shared with him uh, out of my background would, would be dwarf <laughs> uh, compared to his. Uh, so I had these meager accomplishments, but I told him about several difficulties I was having along the way, my job situation, my financial challenges, and my disappointment that I had with a parachurch organization that I had worked with. And he listened intently. He was just so humble uh, by that. And he just kind of encouraged me. He said, you know, Dan, the, um, the challenges that you're going through... God's going to use that in your future. He, he will. And uh, he'll, you can encourage others. Uh, he'll uh, strengthen your faith through all this. And he was just reminding me. And then he did say this. He said um, that those hardships, you know, are going to fade away one day as you are uh, before our Lord. And, uh, and all, all of those difficulties that you go away will just kind of pale in comparison. Uh, with the glory that's going to be revealed to each of us. I know he's referring to Romans chapter 8, 18, this portion that we're looking at today. And so I asked Erwin a little bit about his life, and he was telling me, you know, it's, it, it wasn't easy to become an astronaut. He said it just was really difficult. He said, you know, I was born here in Pittsburgh. I didn't know that. He said eventually I was uh, uh, joined the, the Air Force, and I uh, was selected by NASA, and I underwent all that training, and that was really difficult and hard. And he said, but then there was a series of missions. I just couldn't wait to get on a mission. Every mission, Erwin, you're the backup. Erwin, you're the backup. And he was just always, I was always the backup, and, and I never went on a mission. And then finally, my time came. He said, looking back, you know, he, 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 his discussion with the other astronauts, he said, um, he believes that his experience was more challenging than any others. Like he didn't understand that, and he said, "I was a nominal Christian at the time. Even when on the time of that that flight to the moon, he said, I just I just was a nominal Christian. I you know was Christian in name only." And he said, "But something happened on that mission that that changed me." He said, "I I remember we were almost at the moon. I looked out the window and I could just see the Earth. It was about the size of a marble." And he said, I thought about all the hardships that I had had and all the struggles that I was going through. Then I thought, there's a world of hurt down there. Conflict and pain and difficulty for individuals, sickness. He said, but when he looked out the window, he decided to do something with his hand. He put his hand underneath that little marble earth and he said to himself, this is how God sees earth. And he has it all in his hand. And his, his unbelief and his worry that day, he said, is just dissolved. His concerns seemed to vanish as he wondered about this big and glorious God. 
And he said, I, I can't wait to be in his presence. And his, his face lit up. He said, you know, just God's enormity, his magnificence, his majesty, um, is just going to swallow up every anxiety I ever had. You know, this guy has been to the moon and back, and, and now he's sharing with me how big God truly is and, uh, and how I can trust him with every detail of my life. Men and women of, of God, I think if we're not careful, we can be guilty of making God out to be so small in light of our impending challenges. A year after he returned, he had another challenge, he said, and it was he felt the Lord was calling him to start a full-time ministry. And he started the ministry, and it's, it's still in existence. It's called High Flight, High Flight. And it teaches people how they can grow in their relationship with Christ. <laughs> he said kind of half-heartedly, it was kind of funny, he said, you know, if, if you think going to the moon was difficult, try starting a, a uh, non-profit Christian ministry. Um, all of that to say this, men and women, we must understand that God is calling us to live exceptional lives. And yes, we're going to encounter difficulty. But it's worth staying in the battle because God will overcome every impossible situation. And so I can boldly say once again, let us live exceptional lives while anticipating the glory that will be revealed in us when Christ returns. You know, a year after I had breakfast with Colonel uh, Irwin, he died of a heart attack. 61 years old, which is <laughs> two years younger than I am today. He met the God that he served, and I believe he was overwhelmed with joy. He was the first of the 12 uh, astronauts that landed on the moon to die, and the youngest. He had a unique way of putting things into perspective. His his repeated response, you know, because everyone that would see him and recognize him would say, oh, you're, you're James Irwin, you walked on the moon. What was it like? And before they could get that out, he always said, he always had this, this phrase that he would always share with them. And it was this. Jesus walking on earth was far more important than man walking on the moon. Let me tell you about him. <laughs> So it wasn't about James Irwin, it was about Jesus Christ. You know, I don't know about you, and I don't know what you're facing this morning, but I hope that you hear in, our, in, in the sermon today and on the scriptures today that we look over, that you find hope in the Word of God. You know, the writer of Romans, the Apostle Paul, he was no stranger to pain. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 25, he packs a lot of pain in this. He said, I have been imprisoned frequently, been flogged more severely, and have been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, I spent a night and a day in open sea, 
I have been constantly on the move. I have been in dangers, danger of rivers, in danger of bandits, in danger of my own countrymen, in danger of Gentiles, in danger of the city, in danger in the, in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Unquote. Second Corinthians eleven twenty three through twenty seven. So how was your week? <laughs> but the Apostle Paul considers all of this and and he and he reflects on his current state being in prison and he and he is thankful for the privilege that he has to be in chains for Christ. And as he's sharing with this young church now, this Roman church, he knows, he knows in his heart of heart, they've got to go through hardship. It's part of the Christian walk, going through this hardship. But he doesn't want them to so worry and look at their hardship down here that they're taking their eyes off of Jesus Christ. And it's so easy to do, isn't it? You're going through a diff- something difficult. We're frail people. And, and, and just a few hardships come along can throw us off course. And today I, I wish to encourage you with the Word of God. How can we stay focused? How can we stay focused on Christ? Well, we could stay focused on Christ by, first of all, realizing that suffering is essential for growth. That's disappointing, isn't it? <laughs> but it's a reality. Suffering is essential for growth. You know, as I was preaching last week, I kind of got caught up in us being a child of God and all that that means and heir to the kingdom. And that's wonderful and that's true. But it's easy to read that verse 17 and miss the latter part of 17. So let me reach back just for a moment and pick up at the end of chapter 17 from last week and then move forward. Now, if we were children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. But we've got to read the rest of it. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order we may also share in his glory. And then I thought, did I read that right? <laughs> maybe, maybe there's another version that puts a, a better spin on this. And so I looked at the King James Version, and there it was, unfortunately. If so be that we suffer with him. And then I looked at the New American Standard, which I use regularly. And there it was again, if indeed we suffer with him. Then I went with the easygoing New Living Translation. That's got to put a good spot right there. We must also share his sufferings. There ain't no way around it, men and women. We're going to suffer. Sure, uh, we get the benefits of being a child of God. We were adopted by God uh, the Father. Uh, by believing in His Son, Jesus Christ. And so, uh, along with that, being part of that family, uh, the family of God, we also share all that the family shares, and that is the suffering. Suffering is essential for growth. And men and women, we are going to suffer. We live in a fallen world. <laughs> and there is suffering, and there are pain, and there is sickness, and there is illness, and there is... Uh, trials, their difficulty and financial challenges, we're going to suffer. We are also going to, going to suffer by being followers of Christ. When you take a stand and when you uh, actually 
put into practice those um, principles that we know of Scripture, the, out of obedience to our Lord, you're going to suffer. You're going to be passed over at, at work for that promotion because you're not doing what everyone else is doing to get ahead. You're going to be treated as naive at times when you're debating something in a public forum. Oh, you believe that Bible and your Old Testament. Like, where are you at? We will be treated um, more severely in public. In In fact, you're going to pay more for things because you're going to be honest about it. And when somebody makes a mistake at the register, you're going to remind them of it. You're not going to be invited by the guys for that gusto we talked about last week. You will not fit in um, because you don't agree with all the immorality that is going around today. You call sin, sin. Perhaps you'll even be late going somewhere because somebody needs you to pray with them. You know, you ha- every once in a while you have those divine appointments, you have those opportunities, and you're kind of late. Well, i got to get to the game, or i got to get to here, or I, I want to I go to Kohl's because it's the last day for the sale. And... God gives you this divine appointment. You know, Christians are going to suffer. You're going to say, you know what? I could have died of myself to that. You're not going to fit in with a group at work because you're going to walk away when there's, when there's gossip. I know, you know, I'm not, I'm not into this. And you just, and, and you'll be made fun of as a result of it. But more than any of that, a day is coming when it's going to cost you much more than all these. Let me say that again. <laughs> Do not be taken off guard when the day comes when it would cost you perhaps your life. You know, when Adam sinned, this perfect world was changed. Now there's pain and suffering, and we live in this world. You know, God said to Adam after he sinned, he said this. I'm sorry, let me catch up here so I put my slide up here. Because you listened to your wife and ate... From the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. You see that? It just introduces sin into the world. And Adam introduces sin, and so there's this suffering. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken from for dust you are, and dust you will return. So there's just this pain, and now there's death entered into the world. Has anyone had a tough week? <laughs> did, you, did anyone suffer? My guess is that there's much suffering among uh, those who are in the congregation today. Because we live in a world of suffering. And you and I face difficult events in life. Some are quick and over, some are just lingering. Years ago, I remember um, our phone ringing in the middle of the night, 4 a.m. It was our daughter, Sarah, saying that she had miscarried. This was uh, especially hard because she was so excited about this child. And uh, being pregnant. So, you know, you raise kids and you always can comfort them, you know, when they're young. Let me take you out for ice cream after something happens. Let me, let me, let me, uh, you know, give you a special bandage for the knee. Let me, let's go for a hike in the backyard or let me kiss your bandaged finger. But then they grow up and then they have these real 
life disappointments and you're no longer the hero. Well, that morning, Linda left immediately to be with Sarah. I trailed out a little later. I had a couple things to take care of, but I just had to see her, had to see my girl. And so... (laughs) I was fine until I got off that turnpike exit. Um, and I, and I thought, I have no words, <laughs> uh, for her. And, um, and so I refused to use those cliches that everybody uses, you know, God needed another angel or, you know, there must have been something wrong with the child or you're going to have other kids, don't worry about it. That wasn't me and they're not the right things to say anyhow. And so, I began to bawl like a baby, and I, I know that that probably really confused the turnpike operator. Um, he probably said, well, toll isn't that high. It's 50 cents. You know. <laughs> uh, suck it up, guy. But you know, we're going to have pain and suffering in this world, and there's going to be times when you're at a loss, and you just don't know why something happened. And I know many of you, you either experience that, you experience something more difficult. You, you're, there's challenges out there, and if we were to go around and you were honest, there, there are several struggles, and you just don't know why. And I look back on that day, and I look back on days like that, and I have to remind myself, suffering is essential for us to grow. So when I see a promise in God's Word, like, like verse 18... All of a sudden, it goes from sorrow to this, to this broad smile on my face. And remember that the, the Apostle Paul was writing this from prison with chains. And he said this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I've got to say it again. I consider that... Our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. There will be a time when every believer experiences inexpressible joy in the future. And every pain and every burden will fade in comparison. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. And what a day that will be. But we got to keep our eyes focused on Christ, and we can do that by expecting that there's going to be suffering on the way. Secondly, we can keep our eyes focused on Christ by knowing that it's that His glory will be revealed both in us and to us. Knowing that His glory will be revealed to us and in us. And we will be in His immediate presence. We can look forward to heaven. This earth is passing away. You know, life is like a vapor. And the Apostle John knew that also. The Apostle John who had that revelation um, that John Pharaoh was reading about uh, this morning of heaven. And another portion of Scripture in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4, the Apostle John wrote this in, this in this revelation, this vision that he had. Then I saw a new heaven and the new earth, and the first earth, excuse me, the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. 
I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And listen to this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And so, when you get to Romans chapter 18, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And I wonder if the Apostle Paul, now going back to Paul, I wonder if he had a glimpse of the suffering that you might have to encounter as a Christian when he was there at the stoning of Stephen. Remember, he was there. There was a crowd that rode around, and they were, this crowd was egging, egging on the leaders, go ahead, stone them, stone them, and they were stoning, and it says in Scripture that Paul was there giving his hearty approval. His name was Saul back then, right? And Saul's standing there. And out of all of the, the viewers, out of all the people watching uh, Stephen get pelleted uh, and pummeled to death with, with stones, knowing that he was innocent, knowing that his face looked like an angel, Scripture said, as he's going down on his knees, they take his cloak, Stephen's cloak, and they lay it at the feet of one individual that was standing there. And who was that? That's Saul. Paul. And I just wonder, in some sort of ironic way, was Saul going to pick up that cloak and wear it? You know, knowing that that's the kind of suffering, if I give my life to Christ, I may encounter the same suffering. And, and Stephen, what is Stephen doing while he's dying? The scripture says, as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord! Well, first of all, he falls on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. He's forgiving the very people that are, that are killing him. And when he said that, Scripture says he fell asleep. He died. They were thinking, we're giving him the ultimate punishment. What is he thinking? Thank you for ushering me into the kingdom. And Lord, by the way, forgive them. When you and I are having a bad day, a bad week, a bad year, when we're facing something, we don't see there's any way out. We have to remember that a day is coming. Oh, it's coming. And you will look into the Savior's face, and everything bad and everything sad and every disappointment will fade away into His glory. We've got to keep our eyes on Christ. Finally, we can do that by knowing we're not alone. We're not alone. There is a yearning, Scripture even says this, it's rather remarkable, there's a yearning of all of creation for that day to be set free. Look at verses 19 and 20. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. 
For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. You know, I just think, I think of that until spring arrives. I'm so glad I live in an area where there's actually seasons. But you think of that long winter, and I think Pittsburgh, we have these long gray periods of time. And, uh, and we, we kind of get stuck there. And, and I thought we were coming out of it until we had snow last week. <laughs> but even that, didn't you just know in your heart, say, I know, it's a day or two of snow, and it's kind of lousy, but there ain't nothing going to hold spring back. It's coming. It's going to push, it's going to push forward into summer. And I, and I think of that, and I think of that in a more ever, uh, you know, eternal perspective. This, there's suffering, there's difficulty, and we're waiting for the Lord's return. And either we're going to go with him to be in glory or he'll come back first. And sometimes that wait can seem long, and, and I think what we have to realize is we're not the only ones waiting. All of creation is waiting. Did you ever wait for something? You know, you wait for an airplane, or you wait for a ride, you wait for a delivery, you wait for an order, you wait for a COVID test, or you wait for the vaccine, or you're not waiting for it at all. <clears throat> when you're going through a difficult time, there's that waiting period. And it's even harder when, you, when you're all alone. But we are not alone in our wait. Remember what we, we read earlier about the consequences of Adam introducing sin into the world. It affected the whole world. All of the earth is under this curse. So now you and I and all of the human race uh, needs to be free from this bondage of sin. And all of creation is waiting. There are times of old from the, from the Old Testament discussions that they would have about who it is that God would set free from this captivity. And who are, in fact, the children of God. And there's going to be a time when that's going to be revealed. And the Lord himself is going to lead a charge when he returns. And if you're quiet enough in your, in your heart and your soul, it's like you can almost hear the throng of, of, of children of God that are coming in, in this march led by our Lord. We're not alone in the wait. The battle hymn of the Republic, I, I think the author was, was echoing that. He's, he has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before the, his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. It's like all of creation is waiting for this day of redemption. And in verse 19, that's why that stands out to us. The creation itself waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Who are these children? Who are these individuals? It'll be revealed. And the whole planet is under this curse and now it is not operating as God originally designed. So there's this sense of anticipation on earth, this eagerness to be set free. 
We often live our lives as if there is no future, as there, there is no hope, when in reality we can smile at the future because we serve an awesome God who redeemed it. He won. And so we need to keep our eyes on Christ. We, and we can do this by realizing th- this, this pain, this suffering that we go through. It's, it's essential. It's, it's part of the Christian walk. Knowing that this glory is going to be revealed to us and all of those things and that thing that's on your heart even today is going to dissolve. And knowing also that we're not alone in our weight. This week, as you face your various trials, let me just remind you again, keep your eyes on Christ. Keep them there. And then begin to live an exceptional life. Lord, you called me to this. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be pain. Whatever it is that the Lord's showing you to do, don't, don't freeze in fear. Go ahead and enter into what God has for you. And while you're doing that, anticipate the glory that's going to be revealed to you in Christ Jesus when he returns. Lord, we, we thank you for your word and how you encourage us, how you strengthen us. And I, I trust today that you're working in individuals' lives that are facing real difficult situations even, even now. Lord, just surround each one with your love. Remind them of your presence. And Lord, may we keep our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. It's in you we trust. In Jesus' name, amen.